Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary, and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I call things what they are. You know, there are names for things that are acceptable names in the dictionary. Is there an example of a word? I mean, you don't have to say it, but you could spell it just, in a, just so we have an idea of what words you will not use. <laughs> I could spell it. Really? Or, I or, could spell it. Or you could say it. I don't I want to give you any. No, I didn't know I could say it. I you mean, can say anything. Oh, yes, you can say oh, anything. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like, okay. Okay. Like a penis. Is that permissible to say that? Oh yes, you can say much, much worse than that. You could actually say any word in the world, the world, because we're not live. Okay, because I, I mean, oh, okay, 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 like a penis. Okay, in some books, um, there are C O C K, there are D I C K. You know, I'm yeah. spelling it out because even I won't even say it. <laughs> you know, but yes. anyway, but that's you know, but. If I refer, I, I will call it a manhood. In my book, I'll call it a shaft. And that's as far as I will take it. How did you first figure out how to write a sex scene? Did you, because I, I, I'm thinking about it right now, and I wouldn't know in the whole world how to go about that. Did you do any really? research? <laughs> I've never tried. <laughs> no, I, the thought terrifies me. Did you do have to do really? it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did you have to do any research? No. Um, I just based it on what I knew. What I do, I sit to my computer and I listen to my Motown, I listen to my Smokey, I listen to my Temps, just close my eyes and visualize two people that are so in love. And what they're doing, I look at it as the act of making love. That's what they're doing. They're making love with their hands, their mouths, their bodies. But no, I never um, had a problem writing those love scenes. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. Brenda Jackson has written more than 120 books about love. 
She's been on both the New York Times and the USA Today bestseller list, and she's a recipient of the Romance Writers of America Lifetime Achievement Award. I started writing love stories when I was in the eighth grade, and I wanted a way to entertain myself. And I don't know what your age is, but I am 64. I will be 65 in February. And I didn't put anything in any of my stories that you would not see on television. And you're looking at 1967. I think the most they did was kiss. And it was just a chase kiss. When she was 14, Brenda started dating the man who would become her husband. My mom and my parents... um, pretty religious, and their thing was a girl was not supposed to start taking company, as they called it, until she was 16. Um, The only place that we could even sit together was at church. Now, if he wanted to come to my church, he could sit next to me at church, but that was it. And I would do poems, love poems to him, and I got a going steady ring from him when I was 15, which I proudly wear today, and that was 50 years ago this year. You still wear the Going Steady ring? Yes, I do. My parents didn't even know I had the ring at 15. Did you hide it? Yes, I did. And I even had to pay my brother hush money so he wouldn't tell my parents (laughs) that I had it. So would you put it on when you were in your room alone and then make sure... I would sure put it on when I was in my room alone or while I was at school. I would wear it, but I knew to take it off before I entered my parents' home. So when I turned 16, then it came out the drawer and then I wore it all the time. And they just, my mom said, hmm, you got that rain real quick, huh? I think she knew. She just never said anything about it because they all liked Cheryl. It was very clear to me that I would eventually marry Gerald Jackson. Brenda and Gerald got married a year after she graduated from high school. She was 19. Gerald got a job and put Brenda through college. She put her writing aside and majored in something that she thought seemed far more practical, business administration. She got a job at State Farm. I found the perfect opportunity to write a book when I started traveling for corporate America. And I was stuck in hotel rooms all the time. I'm not an adventurous person. So when I travel, I'm not one who go out and see the city. You know, once I'm delivered to the hotel, I stay there. I don't need to know how the city look on the outside of those walls. And so before I traveled, I bought me notepads and notebooks, and I decided to write a story. Do you remember what it was called? It was um, based on Gloria Estefan. And I don't know whether you remember Gloria Mm -hmm. Estefan and the sound machine, Always Tomorrow. I was listening to her song, and I wrote a book called Always Tomorrow, and it went. It was only maybe a 100-page novel. Brenda says she just wrote the story so she could say she did it, and then she shared it with her co-workers. They told her it was so good that she should try and get it published. 
And my husband said, look, if you got to do all of that, you may as well learn how to do it right. So he found out about this writer's convention in San Antonio, and he surprised me on my birthday with a ticket to my a writer's conference. And I did not want to tell him this is not really what I want to do. I mean, I like being in corporate America, but writing is just something I do for fun. But I wanted to make sure that I see what, you know, I want to see what it was all about. So I caught the plane and met some of the most wonderful other wannabe writers. That's what I called us, want-to-be writers. And um, I said, mm, baby, this could be extra money on the side because I could write these stories in my sleep. She sent her book to publishers, but kept getting rejection letters. And most of my rejection letters said the same thing. They were nice. Um, this, it doesn't fit. It, it's a beautiful story. It doesn't work for us. And so I'm finally like, why won't it work for you? It's a beautiful story. Why won't it work for you? But they would never put in writing why it wouldn't work. So I went to another writer's conference that I knew some of these same publishers would be. And I cornered a couple of the editors who signed their names to my letters. And they said, um, it just won't fit. But I finally got one editor to be honest with me. She said, I would buy your book in a heartbeat if you would make your characters white. But as long as they're black, I can't touch it. And I asked her why. She said there's no market for black romance because most of America does not think black romance exists. And I was just put out. I'm like, really? Here I am, a woman who started dating her husband at 14. He doesn't forget my birthday. He doesn't forget anniversaries. He sent me flowers. Um, I'm living a truly romantic life. Um, same thing with my parents, my aunts, my uncle. If that's not black love, I don't know what it is. And so she said this. Most Americans, and I guess she was speaking at that time, she felt she was speaking for most Americans, um, are not interested and how black people live. And there's no market. This was 1991 at the Romance Writers of America conference. Did you ever consider making your characters white to get published? No. No. I never... Because I figured love was universal, no matter what color you were. Because I had been reading Harlequin, and they sure had a blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy on the cover. But... When I read the book, you could pretend or think that that's anybody. It's the love story that reached out to me more than anything. And so when I wrote my books, I basically made my heroines um, Black Americans. And some of the same ladies I met at my first writer's conference when my husband bought me that plane ticket, we stayed in contact. They were getting the same type of feedback. And we could not believe it. And we made a pact, me and some of the ladies, 
We would go to these conferences and we would be seen. We would let them know we are here. They went to all the conferences, Rom-Con, Romantic Times, Romance Writers of America. And after about a year of this, one publisher noticed. He pulled us aside and he said, you know what? I come here to these conferences all the time. And you ladies, and it was a good 15 of us during that time, black authors trying to get published. Y'all are the classiest women. Y'all come here with a purpose. Y'all are well-dressed. Y'all look good. And I believe you believe in yourself, and I'm going to take a chance on you ladies. That publisher, Walter Zacharias, started a line of black love stories called Arabesque. They published Brenda's Gloria Estefan-inspired book in 1995. And our books, you couldn't keep them on the shelf at all. We'll be right back. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from 26.2 Team Milk and their new docu-series, Running Sucks. Is running the worst? Yeah. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I hate it so much. (laughs) I hate it so freaking much. That you're a real runner now! I hate it. (laughs) I'm Abby Ayers, a 37-year-old mom from Utah who found herself running across the Manhattan Bridge in my first race ever. Running Sucks celebrates women who run and the running communities that carry them across the finish line. Running helped me in so many ways postpartum. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. For every person like you, I'm telling you you belong and I'm telling you you can do it. I never thought the words would leave my mouth, but yes, I'm planning on running a marathon. I can't even say it without laughing, because, like, who would have thought? Watch Running Sucks at runningsuckstheseries.com and learn more about how Team Milk is helping women runners across the country conquer their next course. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The publisher printed 30,000 copies of Brenda's book. Brenda did all of her own marketing. She would leave copies by the hairdryers at salons and in doctors' waiting rooms. She bought a box of her own books and sent copies to historically black universities. She posted ads in laundromats. The books sold. And she kept writing. She woke up at 3 a.m. each day to write before she had to go to work. She would edit in the bleachers at her son's basketball games and ask a friend to tell her when they scored so she could stand up and cheer. 
Brenda still found time to teach Sunday school each week. She's very religious. One day she asked her pastor what he thought about her new line of work, writing books that involved rather risque scenes. And he told me, he said, considering your history, if anyone could do these types of books justice, it would be you. And he's read my book. Do you remember when you first started writing some more of those racy scenes, being nervous about your husband reading them or thinking, being embarrassed? No. Um, Because my very first book that got published had a bedroom scene. It had a lovemaking scene. And he didn't read it. I told him, I said, okay, Gerald. First of all, I asked him, I said, okay, um, you know me better than anybody. So you know that I'm a very sensuous person, that I'm going to come through that way in my books. You sure you want me to write under my name? Because a lot of my friends, their husbands told them, no, write a pen name. And he said, your name is Brenda Jackson. That's what you need to write as Brenda Jackson. And that's what I wrote as, Brenda Jackson. And then I said, okay, you know, it's going to have lovemaking things. But he would tease me once in a while because the wives of some of his co-workers would come and say, gosh, we need to go in and look at y'all's shower because a lot of things happen in the shower <laughs> in some of your books. And Gerald would come home and he'd say, I need to find out what you're writing because some of the guys at work asking me, man, what do y'all be doing in y'all showers and stuff? I said, well, are you telling them it's part of your wife's imagination? They say, yeah, but they don't believe me. So, you know, we would laugh about it, but no, it never bothered him at all. Is it true that your husband had a shirt that said, um, I'm Brenda Jackson Research? Mm-hmm. And Yep, he sure did. I had it made for him. Since he said it, I said, okay, I'm going to have this shirt made for you. At first, you know, he would say, I don't know what she put in the books, whatever. And then after a while, they, you know, the readers, when he would attend events with me, um, and readers would see him, they were just in awe. (laughs) They were in awe of Mr. Jackson. And so I said, hey, you might as well get credit because you are basically my research We would, just on the spur of the moment, take off. You know, we had kids before the kids or even after the kids. We would have my sister come over. We'd go away for the weekend. Sometimes we didn't even leave the city. We would go across the bridge and check into a hotel on the other side of the river just to get away. After the success of her first three books, Brenda's publisher increased her cut of the sales. They also started printing more copies. She wrote family sagas, each book part of a long series, so that new readers would want to start at book one and keep reading. Titles included Cupid's Bow, Strictly Business, and Fire and Desire. She titled her 50th book, Slow Burn. To celebrate her 10th year as an author, Brenda decided to go on a cruise to the Bahamas and invited her readers to come along. Over 300 fans signed up. Gerald and her pastor came along as well. I 
after I written over 50 some books, I said, okay, Gerald, I want, I need to do something different. My niece, I think my niece came, said, oh, auntie, this is just so blasé. You need to spice up some of your lovemaking things. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> you know, I'm like, really? So what I did, I um, ordered some manuals and I said, okay, Gerald, we're going to, we're going to be the guinea pigs here. Let's see some of the things that if I don't like it, then my heroine won't, won't like it. It's okay. I'm, I'm all in, you know. So, um, yep. So that was fun time for us. <laughs> when, when these manuals arrived, I mean, this you are a woman who's been writing these romance uh, novels and very successful. I wonder if there were things in the manuals that you had never heard of. Yes. There were. I mean, things that were given names and different positions that were given names. Um, some of them I did. I knew about the position, but I didn't know there was a name for it or whatever. I'm like, wow. One thing that a lot of my readers said that what they do is actually read parts of my books to their husbands because and I thought that was really, really nice. And I would tell Gerald, I said, oh, yeah, I got a letter from one of my readers. And their husbands make sure they buy them a Brenda Jackson book whenever it comes out. And it showed them that um, just different things that I learned, different places. A woman loved to be touched, not touched. Things that they say that could be turned on, turned off. Just a lot of things. Just not just positions, but it was just informational just all the way around and you know I told Gerald I said did you know that one thing that is very sensuous is if we share a glass of wine but we deliberately put our mouths in the same spot something that's simple you know without even saying a word that's a message that could be sent saying, no, I didn't know. You know, and again, you learn things. And so it was very informa- informative for us as well. We'll be right back. Do you think women have a hard time talking about enjoying sex? Yes, I do. Some women, I don't, but some women, I believe, because they have been programmed to think that, number one, um, that's what they're supposed to do, that there is no pleasure in it, shouldn't be any pleasure in it. I want women to know it's okay that you have a body, that you were given these things in your body, on your body for a reason. And there's things wrong with feeling these things. And I think some women now are saying, okay, yeah, it's, why should he have all the fun? I mean, it should be enjoyment for both of us in that. Do you have any any love-making scenes that you could read? Oh, gosh, yes, in every book. <laughs> yes, I have quite a few. Let me find one, okay? That's really good. I didn't know you would want one. Oh, so yeah. Let me. Okay. 
Papers went flying off Shanna's desk when he pushed her back on it, lifting her hips and spreading her thighs, and then he thrust inside of her, consuming her entire body. Her inner muscles clenched him and clung to him, and the pleasurable feeling had him moaning deep in his throat. The desire to mate was fierce, overpowering, and he gave in to his body's demand. Okay. You want me to read more, or that gives you an idea? I think we've got it. I can see how... I can see how you're giving readers ideas. I mean, that's certainly yeah. not a bed. No one's in the bed on that one. No, no. That's that's her office thing. Wow. There's, you know, some some in the bedroom, some in the car, some, I mean, wherever passion hit. Brenda became the first African-American author to make the New York Times bestseller list in the romance series category. Publishers Weekly called her a master, and USA Today described her as the indomitable Brenda Jackson. Gerald came with her to writers' conferences and book signings. He would stay in the hotel room and order room service and wait until Brenda got back. And they traveled around the country to research the cities where Brenda planned to locate her next book. He took care of everything so I could write. I would talk over things with him and say, what do you think of this baby? Or what do you think of that? They traveled around the world, going to China and Australia. Before a trip to South Africa, Gerald went to the doctor to make sure his vaccinations were up to date. That's when he found out he had stage four cancer. He died six weeks later. I told my publisher I need to take a break from writing. I would tell him every day. There was not a day that went by that I did not tell my husband that I loved him. And I asked him one day, I, you know, just out of the clear blue sky, we were somewhere, and I say, do you know how much I love you? And he said, yeah, you tell me every day. <laughs> you know, and I just burst out and start laughing because it was true. I hadn't realized that. I told him every day, but he said, yeah, I know, because you tell me every day. Every leading man in Brenda's books is based in some way on Gerald. He has always come out in the men characters I write, I think. It's something about every man character, whether it's something he may say or do, or when I see, even though I may give each one of my heroes a different look, in my mind, it's Gerald, and it can't help but be that way with me. This is Love is created by Lauren Spohr and me. Nadia Wilson is our senior producer. Katie Bishop is our supervising producer. Our producers are Susanna Robertson, Jackie Sajiko, and Libby Foster. Our technical director is Rob Byers. Engineering by Russ Henry. You can learn more about the show on our website, thisislovepodcast.com. Since we spoke with Brenda in 2018, she's written almost 30 more books. You can read about them all at brendajackson.net. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at This Is Love Show. 
We're also on TikTok at criminal underscore podcast, where we post a lot of behind-the-scenes content of both shows. This is Love is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Discover more great shows at podcasts.voxmedia.com. We hope you have a wonderful holiday season. We'll be back in the new year. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love.